Hey, this is Alana from the Holland Project in Reno, and you're listening to Up in the Mix. Blah, 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 blah. Welcome to another edition of Up in the Mix, coming to you hot from a honeycomb hideout part two. <laughs> this is Sean, aka the Truth, aka the Super Nicest, aka the Narmist R, aka not the black dude you thought I was. This is Caesar, aka De La Foto, aka Tracksuit Poppy, and I got a new one. Ooh, the plug. What's up? <laughs> the plug. De La Foto, the plug out here. You know, <laughs> you need it, I got it, or I got a cousin that got it as well. <laughs> Just connect, being the connector the in the connect, streets. Yeah. Uh huh. Just like Jay-Z says, respect the connect, you know? Well, we're back with another episode after a couple weeks off. It's been a while. We've yeah. all, I've Have been we done busy. one in 2022? I can't remember. We did. We did some, we yeah. We did a couple. Early until, you know, the man gave me uh, some overtime hours. Yeah. <laughs> Putting in that grind. Have to, you know? Stacking work, that paper. Working for the man. They don't get no bonuses. They just make you work harder. Well, I know mm-hmm. it's been... A rough couple of weeks. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, later. We've got some guests mm-hmm. uh, w- joining us today. We have returning guests, mm-hmm. two-time returning guests. Get that little, you know, the, the star. Uh, yeah. You guys are stacking them now. Uh, we got Romar yeah. and Donald from Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. and uh, we have another special guest they're going to introduce in a second. But welcome back. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Appreciate you having us. Mm-hmm. Another divine moment. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. If we need more of them. Mm-hmm. But we got a question of the week to kind of yeah, break, break the ice. Break some ice. You know, everyone's making a big deal this year because, like, the Super Bowl's in L.A. And they're, ha- they're calling it the G-Funk halftime show. <laughs> you know, they got Dr. Dre and, and Kendrick Lamar and all these Mary people. J. Mary J. Blige. Snoop-a-loop, right? Snoop-a-loop. Snoop, Eminem, like, all these people on the show. But, like, do you guys, ha- like, really care? Or, like, <laughs> like, like, I'm, like, finding myself, I'm, what like. What is it doing for the black community? <laughs> I'm just, yeah. like, I'm, like, uh, I don't really care. And are they even getting paid? I heard they're, not, like, barely getting anything, too. I hope they're getting money because, like, right. what's the point of doing this? Promotion. Yeah. Promo- it's, like, it's promotion. And it's weird that they call it the G-Funk because it's only Dre. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Like, M doesn't need no G-Funk. You know, Kendrick, there's splashes of it in there. Mary J talks from the heart all the time, you know? What do y'all think? Like, is this even... What are they getting, a hot 15 minutes to do something? The longest... So far, the longest halftime show has been 13 minutes. No, they're longer than that. No, but just the musical part. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the musical part, it's only been 13 minutes, and supposedly 50 is coming. That's, like, a rumor. I haven't watched sports or TV <laughs> in about five years, so I got. This does to, nothing for you, Donald. It's nothing. I'm not playing. They're not my team, so it's just a waste of time, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, people are getting you know hyped up for this. I'm like, I could not care less mm-hmm. about this halftime show. It, it amazes me how people get hyped up off of other people's success and and choose not to even hype themselves up to go to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have no responsibility. You can just cheer all day. Yeah. You, you know, got to focus on yourself, get yourself that. Is easy. it success, though, themselves? <laughs> Yo? Gladiator games. Yeah. Like, is this success performing at the Super Bowl for these? Like, Dr. Dre's a billionaire. What does he need he them doesn't for? He does yeah. Like, like, I don't know. He did have that divorce. He needs to, you know. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But for me, it's just weird that it finally took this long for yeah. it to be like an all hip hop. Yeah, it's not 1995 when I really would have cared. Yeah, mm. and it's just all hip hop and stuff instead of like just the most popular person that called last that couple energy. years. Energy, you know, that energy. Hip hop influences the world. Yeah, and like hip hop is pop. Yeah, now. they just use like yeah. tapping into that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why it's the highest paid commercials around the Super mm-hmm. Bowl time. You know, it's all money and advertisement. Always, yeah. But. No. Maybe one day I'll have to make those decisions. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one can wish. One can wish. But you guys are here for a reason. Yes. Um, please, you know, you reached out to us. Uh, what? What? What uh, started this? Uh, what? What? Why are you guys here today? Mm-hmm. Well, it's to speak on some issues that you know we deal with in the black community. We kind of suffer in silence and not have really no avenues or solutions to a lot of the things we're dealing with. A lot of people in the inner city now are taking, you know, holistic approaches to kind of trying to solve their problems. But there's mental health and there's trauma that we also dealing with that's not being addressed. You know, as we know, you know, the suicide rate continues to increase in, in the black community in the inner city. And uh, there's a lack of, of doctors, holistic mm-hmm. doctors, a lack of therapists. So um, we need to get back to that, that synergy in the community to where we have a shoulder to lean on and we can help each other out in our problems. And you guys, you know, obviously you're putting your your money, your work, where your mouth is with Black Wall Street and trying to build that community and connect people. And say so you've brought someone from the community. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself and... Uh, kind of uh, tell us your story. Yeah, what's up, y'all? I'm Chandra. Um, a lot of you guys probably remember me from 2019. Um, that will be my story. Um, in 2019, August the 20th, uh, my daughter and my nephew were walking to Trainer Middle School as a custom every morning. You know, we see kids walking that way to Trainer, Duncan. They have Coral Academy of Science. Um, on this particular morning, Drop my daughter off. They were walking to school. I get a call about maybe 20 minutes later with my sister-in-law screaming on the other end. Our kids had just got hit, and my daughter's laying in the middle of the street. So I just kind of stopped at that moment and was like, no, you know, this is one of those. She's just being, you know, we're black. We over-exaggerate. We get excited, you know. So I'm, I'm thinking it, you know, that wishful thinking that it's not as bad as it seems. So, um I head up to the scene of the accident, and on the way up there, I get a call from the police department telling me that I need to meet her at Renown because she's being transported there. Um, I asked the officer how bad it was, and he told me that all he could tell me is that she was bleeding from her nose and hung up. So at that point, I'm like, okay, well, what is bleeding from her nose? What does that mean? You know, like, did she just mm-hmm. bust her nose or something? Right, you know, I'm like, right. She's going to be laughing when I walk in. Um, I got to Renown, and I was hysterical i think most parents would be at that point mm-hmm. uh screaming where where's my daughter where's my daughter um i remember a social worker coming out and bringing me and my family back to a waiting room and i think that was the most difficult part is being brought back there and i don't know at that point you know serious yeah yeah because i don't see my daughter right um so i'm back there pretty much screaming at the social worker where's my daughter um 
my sister-in-law tells me they just brought her in. So I'm like running towards where the gurney is coming in from the ambulance entrance and they stop me, obviously take me back to the room. Um, they take us upstairs to the fourth floor or was it the fifth floor? I can't remember one of those floors. Um, and they take us to the Ronald McDonald room. That was like the longest, I want to say four hours of my life. This happened at seven something in the morning. I ended up not seeing my daughter until maybe almost one o'clock that day. Um, but before we actually got to see her, we were taken into another room for them to kind of, you see on Grey's Anatomy, they try to prepare the family for what they see. And, you know, <laughs> so I'm already knowing that this is, you know, pretty bad, but I'm not expecting what I hear next. And what I hear next is these doctors, you know, these professionals that just perform brain surgery on my daughter because she had a traumatic brain injury um, tell me that usually kids in her case don't make it through the next 24 hours. So they didn't expect my daughter to make it. Um, at that point, I, I remember falling to my knees, just kind of fell and people grabbed me that were around me. Um, I kind of, I tried to pull myself together, said a prayer and I went in to see my daughter and I ended up running right back out of the room. She wasn't the same little girl that I had dropped off that morning. Her head was maybe like three times the size it was. She was missing part of her head. Um, and so I want to say that next, this happened on a Tuesday. And that Saturday, they did a car wash for my nephew and for my daughter. Um, my nephew was a lot less serious, thank God. You know, he walked away with the broken leg. He stayed in the hospital. They you know, did what they had to do with his leg. I think he ended up breaking it again. Um, but he came out, you know, that was a blessing that he came out. I wish my daughter would have walked right, away with right. the broken leg. So um, Saturday we found out that she was actually going to live at a car wash. And so that was like, <laughs> yay, you know, the, uh, a win. And then we got told that they didn't know what her quality of life was going to look like. So at that point, I'm feeling suicidal. I'm feeling like, you know, well, if she's going to die, I'm going to go, I'm going to die with her, you know. Um, I had a whole bunch of crazy thoughts through my head, and I think that a lot of parents would. I know that we all experience trauma different, but the feelings come flooding the same, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially so. when it's your child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was two, two years ago, three years ago? Going on three years mm-hmm. now. So how is, fast forward now, how is she doing and... Uh, how's that like how is her quality of life she's recovering and she's actually doing a lot better than i think even the doctors were expecting up to that point um at one point we didn't know if she was going to remember who we were we were kind of waiting for her to for her brain to rest i remember watching a number that they had above which was like the pressure in her brain that had to be below a certain number before they could um take like a drain out that they had in her head so between that point and now she's had five brain surgeries up to date mm. she um she had a pick line put in her arm because she had an aggressive bacterial infection in her brain so they had to go in there and keep cleaning it out um, we spent 53 days at renown in the PICU and we got transferred to primary children's where they actually started working her like really hard um to the point where she was crying um but you know, no pain, no gain. 
And that helped her to get to the point where she's at today, but she's still doing aggressive um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. She has like a plethora of different doctors that she sees, um, specialists, and she has a, a few things that she's kind of backstepping in, but I just, I try to count my blessings every day that she's here because I know that there's so many kids just here in Reno that were struck by cars and didn't make it. Yeah, I remember it was some crazy thing that year where she wasn't the only one. Like another, I remember there was a girl walking to school at Worcester that was killed by a hit and run driver. And it was so bad that they like made like policy changes and stuff. And they're still trying to figure out how to safely get these kids to school. Um, I think there was more kids that got hit at trainer that year too, right? There was a couple of kids I think that got hit, but um, the ones that I remember was the young lady that you were speaking about over, because I was in Utah at that time. Um, I remember getting a phone call and just kind of breaking down then. It was just, I was like a marshmallow at that point. So, um, But the one that I remember is most memorable was uh, a young boy that came in maybe, I want to say like four or five days after my daughter got hit. He got hit on a bicycle right over there by the pepper mill. We ended up, uh, me and his mother connected. We shared a lot of tears at Renown. Um, I remember a incident in Sun Valley where a lady ran into a group of kids at a bus stop with the bus parked and there was a sign out and the lights were flashing. I remember that. Yeah. And there's so many others and I think the similarities in that is that there's no accountability. You can simply hit kids or hit anybody in a crosswalk and say that the sun was in your eyes. Um, by the time you saw them, all you could do was break and you leave home with the ticket. But the family's lives are left shattered to pick up the pieces. Is that what happened? What happened with the, the, was it a guy that hit your daughter? It was a man that hit my daughter and my nephew. We waited over a year to go to court and it was a video court, which I think that's probably was the best because um, he really didn't take, he pled guilty prior to the court date. However, when we were doing the Zoom court date, he didn't take any responsibility. So much so that the judge kind of cut him off and was like, hey, you know, you pled guilty, let's move on. Mm. So, um, yeah, he did three months probation, and it was kind of like a house arresting. So they took his driver's license. But at that point, you're already 80-something years old. So even after you hit these kids, you still had the opportunity to continue driving and hit some of those kids. How old? He's like 80-something. And they gave him his license back? No, they took it from him. Okay. At the court date. But, but, they, see, but that whole year. It, that whole year, you know, he was still out just yeah. driving around, living his life. He never, We never got an apology. And I think that is um, something that I personally am struggling with, trying to move on without that apology. So I focus more on her recovery mm -hmm. and, and trying to see what I can do to make a difference, to get some things changed, because people really don't take to heart things like this, they kind of care for like the first week or the first month, mm -hmm. and then it's like out of sight, out of mind. But when it's your kid or it's somebody that you know that's close to you, then you know you're out mm -hmm. crying out. I think that as a community, um, we should definitely be doing more to get legislation to change something, to protect our future. Because if we're not protecting our kids, then what, what is our future looking like? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even... Yeah, I can't even imagine, yeah. Like, I mean, there's school zones for a reason, you know, mm -hmm. like... <laughs> You're supposed to be driving 15. You should be just stop in looking when it out. Says the stop yeah, I mean, out. I obviously I've been a teacher for a long time, so I'm just used to like. As soon as I get into that school, like I'm just on alert because there's mm -hmm. kids. Yeah. Like you never, they they're not the smart. Like who knows? Like 
Your daughter was still in a crosswalk. I see kids yeah. every single day walking to my school, cutting across the street, you know, like running across traffic. And it's just like. But, you know, I get that pedestrians have that responsibility, you know, to pay attention as well. However, we have to put ourselves back in those shoes because we were all once 13, 14, yeah, 12, yeah. 9, and we ran across the street and we horse played and pushed each other and we might have fell in the street. You know, back then people were more conscious, they were more aware. And drivers are just, the, the message that we're conveying when these people are walking away from these accidents is that you can hit somebody and you can go home after hitting somebody's kids and changing lives forever and some of these kids are buried. You know, so what what are we really doing as a community to prevent this from happening? Because the year that my daughter got hit, pedestrian accidents went up 100%. Like, that is... Well, I mean, the of. year before your daughter got hit, when I worked at Trainer, one of the teachers there was hit and killed by a drunk driver in a crosswalk. I think I remember that. Like, and, a, and a hit and run uh, up, like, over by UNR. Like, a 23-year-old teacher his first year there. So it's just, you see... I mean, the, at least... Because that was... He was the second person that got killed at that spot. So they made it into now it's like a lighted crosswalk with, um, you know, they have the lights in the street and it's all, mm -hmm. um, you know, heavily marked mm -hmm. uh, because like he but it took two people dying at that spot for for people for them to do anything. But what is what is I mean, I'm not trying to sound funny, but what is putting up lighted crosswalks and making them brighter and repainting them what is that really doing if the message is still what yeah. we're conveying is that you can hit people in crosswalks and you can go home there's yeah, like sounds no like, uh no repercussions sounds like the district no. attorney needs to like <laughs> charge these people with mm -hmm. something more serious yeah rather like, than like failure to render care like, like really so you're no. saying that's like i'm going and i'm murdering somebody and you're slapping me on the wrist and saying hey mm -hmm. go home don't do it again yeah, <laughs> yeah. no it's, it's crazy no like for me i had a friend long time ago he person of color he hit somebody in the car and he got sent to jail, you know, and vehicle vehicular manslaughter, you know, was the thing. And he just had a kid and, you know, um, he got punished. Why isn't everyone, you know, mm -hmm. the Hispanic dude in mm -hmm. um, Colorado, the truck driver where he had a brake oh, failure and yeah. hit those people, you know, they treated him like they gave him an obscene amount uh, of years. Like, yeah. It was an mm -hmm. accident. That was a real accident. That was like, an actual that accident. That wasn't his yeah. fault. Like, that wasn't him not paying attention. It's exactly. a mechanical thing, you know? Exactly. And, you mm -hmm. know, so I just think that even with putting up these lighted crosswalks and um, repainting crosswalks, okay, what's next? It doesn't matter if the, <laughs> if the, if the laws aren't applied. Because my daughter is still or. suffering, you know, and I noticed that Nevada will hold you for 12 hours for violent charges. They don't even know the situation. If the police come here, especially if you are a person of color, you're going to jail and you're going to sit there for 12 hours and then they may release you. But you hit people and you get to go home. Like, why not hold them? I was told that he wasn't under the influence. How do I know? You guys never gave him a sobriety test. What's an 80 year old dude doing at seven in the morning driving? Where are you coming <laughs> from? <laughs> supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> But you know, he lived in the neighborhood, and I, I did look him up, you know. Um, he's lived in that neighborhood for 30-something years, so it's not like you didn't know. That he didn't there's, know. There's, yeah, it's like he wasn't familiar with what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially at that time of war. There's, like you said, there's there's a boys and girls club. There's a middle school. There's two mm -hmm. elementary schools. Exactly. There's, uh, there's, there's like five schools 
there, all in yeah. that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's school zones there's everywhere. The, yeah, there's the, that Ninth Street, uh, yeah. the healthcare center, or right the, there too. The health district. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I think the saddest thing, the thing that is more disturbing to me, is that the people that I see speeding through school zones have just dropped their children off to school. Mm. So it's like, oh, don't get even started on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just dropped your kids off. You don't know. I used to have, zone. I used to have outside duty trying to deal with the crate, like the the, <laughs> the crosswalks and stuff, like. You know, I I would be standing there like you can't come this way, and they would ignore me. So I'm like, well, you know, if yeah. they're ignoring me, they're obviously not paying attention to these kids walking mm-hmm. around, you know, over here. So, yeah. I did crossing guard duty at Glen Duncan last year, and I was really anal with it. Like I was <laughs> in the middle of the street, like you're gonna stop with the stop <laughs> Like I'm gonna protect people's kids because mm-hmm. I feel like they weren't there to protect mine. I like that idea. Every Thursday like when we feed and yeah. uh, when we pass out the after-school lunches around trainer, we always see somebody speed. Mm-hmm. And when the kids crossing the street to come get the little yeah. lunches, it's, watch out for the car first and foremost. Because you know, they're not out watching for out for you. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, just leaving the school sometime. I know the crosswalk by Glenn Duncan, the little four-way. And I would sit there and, like, I'm not, I'm you know, I'm like, it's kids going home. I'm not tripping if I have to wait here for a second, mm-hmm. you know? But I would watch these parents pick up their kids, swerve around, and then sit there and be, like, trying to, like, you know, like, impatient, like, waiting for the kids. And, like, as soon as it clears, I'm, like, racing through the crosswalk. And I'm like, this is so... But it's been like... The, I've worked at dozens of schools, and it's been like that at every school I've ever worked at. And the worst thing is, like, crossing guard... I mean, when I worked at elementary school, like, we were in the after-school program, and we used to have to go out and work on the crosswalk with the teachers because it was so bad. So. shouldn't be that way, though, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that um, I, I'm not trying to be funny, but I see police officers a lot of times it looks like they're pulling people over and they're wasting time, they're wasting resources, they're wasting taxpayers' money when you should be out here patrolling these schools. I mm-hmm. get that you maybe can't have an officer there every day, but, I mean, the presence of the police is going to put us on edge. So yes. we see mm-hmm. the police, we're not going to be so quick to – blow a stop sign because exactly. I see it all the time so I, I see when their presence is there people are more inclined to say okay hold on I see them police like that I'm gonna slow down you know because they maybe. know there's a consequence mm-hmm. right exactly. there exactly and we know what happens yeah. like it's early in the morning people are rushing to get to work and whatnot or in the afternoon they're rushing to get home or rushing so it's just but like, why does my child or yeah, your like, child or you're putting, child uh, yeah, have to pay the price because wa- you didn't get up on time exactly like you wouldn't mm-hmm. want someone else you know i'm sure any if you talk to any parent they don't they want people to be as careful as possible around their kids but then when it comes to them actually doing that they're not following through we'll talk about so how like this process these last three years of her going through all this physical therapy how has that been and has have people helped you guys? Have uh, are you guys still in need? I'm I'm sure I'm assuming there's still more to go. Uh, we have a <laughs> probably a lifetime of this to go. Um, she had a stroke also. Um, I want to say in the ambulance from all the reports. So she is recovering from that brain injury as well as the stroke. So we have therapy still to look forward to. She wears an AFO brace on um, her right leg. She has a like a nighttime brace that she has to wear, so that right side doesn't. Her mobility is not really there because of the stroke. So that side is kind of it's 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 pretty impaired. I just try to focus on the fact that she's here, you know. Mm-hmm. And I look at her, and there are days that I break down. There are days when it's hard for her, 
it's it's ten times harder for me because I can't fix her and I don't know if fix is the right word because I love my child no matter how she is but it's like I can't help her out of that that dark spot and so she is getting like therapy speaking to someone but again it's kind of difficult because she doesn't communicate like you and I right right you know so it is um, the community was really really good you know in the beginning I think that again out of sight out of mind so people just expect you to go through something traumatic like that and then just, okay, your daughter's alive, get over it, pick up a piece and keep going. I've been doing that. But mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally, there's days when I'm not okay. It's not that easy. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> At all. not. And that's what people are like, oh, pick up yourself by your bootstraps. It's cool. Yeah, it's like we were talking yeah. about with mm-hmm. Romar earlier. It's like, okay, that thing happened. Like, get back to, mm-hmm. you know, the rat rate. Like, get back into it. Mm-hmm. Like, where that's how we're all trained to be. It's like, we don't have time. There's no time for it. You can't stop and think about that. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's gonna make you sad. But we have to, you know, yeah. and I'm realizing that I just met um, Kimberly, her daughter uh, got hit on Plum Lane and I cried. It's not easy for me to, you know, kind of show those emotions with what happened to my daughter because I know if I break down, I'm gonna break all the way down. And I mean, I don't wanna see people I don't want them to see me falling apart like that, but I think that maybe it is kind of important because we're still affected by something that happened almost three years ago. I can't even go get a job like a normal person because I'm I'm getting calls about my daughter, you know, maybe breaking down at school or there's days where she just doesn't want to be there, you know, so it, it's, it's hard. I've kind of had to put my life on hold and I would do it 10 times over, but I want people to stop and really think like, you know, it, it doesn't just go away. You can't just sweep it under the rug and act like, okay, well, you should just be grateful she's alive and get over it. No, I'm not going to just get over it like that. My family is still suffering. I was pulled between children. She's not my only child. You know, my right. daughter was pregnant at the time of the accident. So there's a lot of things that were thrown into the mix that people really don't know. You know, people want to judge and, and tell you how to live your life. But until you walk a mile in my shoes, you really can't tell me how to live my life or how to progress or, or process my pain or my, my mental <clears throat> wellness, you know what I'm saying, or my emotional wellness. We can't, I think that people need to come back to being human. Hmm. A lot of people have lost their humanity. That empathy for, yeah. for right. other people, right. like right. Yeah. being able to you know, put yourself in other people's shoes. So is there a, like a network or a group of moms, it sounds like, that you, you reach out to when you hear something like this and you guys? Uh, I've had a couple of people reach out to me um, prior, well, once my daughter got hit, that their kids, um, one of them, her son didn't make it, Matthew Sutton, um, and then another uh, couple, their kid got hit and they made it. So, I mean, I spoke to a couple of people. Um, but they re- they just reached out to you hearing your story. Yeah, they reached out to me. It was like not long after my daughter got hit. So um, there was a point where we were trying to put together like a um, a rally, if you will, for like pedestrian safety, but then COVID hit, so it was just like, okay, well, I could work out. <laughs> can, you, can you tell them about the class you're thinking about putting together? Oh yeah, um, so I was uh, talking to Donald a while back about just the support not being there in terms of trauma, because we everybody doesn't have million dollar insurance, you know. So in <laughs> right, right. Reno is a small community, so if you are on Medicaid or public assistance and you're looking for, you know, a counselor, I went and saw a couple of them. Well, you're reading to me from a book what you think, and you're psychoanalyzing me what you think from a book, but you really don't know because you haven't been there. You know, so I 
want to start a group to actually address trauma for free within communities of people that have been through that trauma. You know, it's easier for someone to say, hey, this is how I got through it, maybe this will help, if you've actually been through something similar. You know, because again, all trauma is different, but we feel those same emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So you, was this going to be uh, at Black Wall, Black Wall Street through through you guys? However, we need the supporter to get this going. That's what we'll do. I need to hear those stories, you know, because I can, like she said, I can sit behind this book and I can talk to my client and be that therapeutic inspiration that they need to hear. But when it comes from her. And that people that go through it. So she's talking about Kimberly from uh, Katie's Grace uh, Foundation who was hit and killed. So I want to connect her with these young ladies like Forever 14 with Carrie. These ladies have lost a child. These ladies have uh, experienced trauma. But I've never experienced that trauma. She can teach this class. I don't want to say teach because I don't think that's the proper word. Facilitate. Facilitate mm-hmm. and help heal, mm-hmm. you know, during this class. And I'm going to try to see if she can come to my class at UNR and tell the people who study in the BD therapist that it's more than just a book. You need to hear these stories. You got to have that experience. You have to have that experience. So I utilize her as a tool. And she utilized me as a tool, and then we go ahead and go to work on a society that needs to be fixed. Do you think it'll help you be better at your job once you start? She's she's blessing me more than uh, she knows. Like she's a a real blessing because I, I go to AA, but I only know these sad stories and how to recover. But you know, and then I kind of lose my focus, and I'm back in the books. So when she tells me her story, I hear that pain. And, you know, the therapists, they hear everybody pain. And, you know, we got to deal with our own demons, too. But this is a this is a story of not pain but healing. And I want to watch it and I want to help it, not fix it. Sounds amazing. As usual. <laughs> As yeah. usual. Yeah. We we'll expect nothing. I mean, at this point. <laughs> you guys are setting a high bar for yourselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to have them goals. You got to do better than last time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, is this a good spot to take a break, Caesar? Sure, yeah, why not? Uh, Caesar, you, you have a song of the week this week. Yeah, I've been listening to this song for like a couple of weeks now. It's that Johnny P by Benny the Butcher and uh, J. Cole. So, mm. listen and enjoy, guys. So, like. Yes. Yeah. Tanner talk for and that shit mean a lot to me. You know, this shit don't feel as good as it look. I'm gonna keep it real with you. I'm straight, though. Made me what I am today, niggas. Know I went so hard for this shit. I deserve this shit, niggas. Ah, but you coming, nigga? This ain't my story about rags to riches. More about how I mastered physics. In a game, I used to train like Rocky, catching chickens. I was nice, but they was right when they told me that rapper business. I had ten bands in my stash when I passed over half a million. Come easy, no good. Don't be surprised I'll last these niggas. It's like they put out a smash, then they gone in a flash, admit it. And then they make tracks and distance like that's gonna add up the digits They showing fake racks and pictures like that's gonna attract the pictures That was really me, nigga, I ain't have to act and conflict it Only difference is I'm living And I would've whacked one of them niggas who knew that after drug dealing I'd still be casual, spending mil plus 
annual income, so here's my manual, then some. And this Eastside shit still in me, my ability to turn words to imagery. Probably the reason they gon' remember me. Figure we walk this tightrope with a feline's agility. The streets did so much shit to me, I could never live civilly. I could never leave the scene without checking my mirrors visually. <laughs> Come with that energy, cause some shit gon' always stick with me. They wanna know what I brought to Griselda. I say validity. They asking what work that niggas put in. I'm like, what didn't we? Problems, then I correct through the obstacles I progress. Illogical for them to feel they responsible for our success. Besides Kanye West, tell me who else I gotta respect. Cause I'm kinda perplexed. It's about time that I got my respect. It's the butcher, nigga. Let's go. About time that I got my respect. It's the butcher, nigga. Yeah. Cold fucking world. Griselda shit, know what I mean? You know what it is, nigga? When I show up, I'm on 10, nigga, not 9. On the night I was born, the rain was pouring, God was crying, lightning struck, power out, his sparks was flying, the real ones here, the young boy that walked with lions around the outlines of chalk where the corpse is lying, of course I'm trying to revive a sport that's dying, but the guns and the drug bars that y'all are lying, got these nerves thinking that you niggas hard as iron, but that just mean I ain't as comfortable as y'all with lying, stretching the truth, no I never stress in the booth, they feel the pressure, me I feel like I just left them a masseuse, effortless How I'm skating on these records is proof I put your favorite rapper neck in the noose Never letting them loose Cold world, the heater blast of your speaker He the last of Mohicans, no weakness last in my sneakers Nigga want me on the song, he gon' see the wrath of the reaper I'm probably gon' go to hell if Jesus asked for a feature I'm higher than niggas, it don't need a bag full of reefer Some see the glass is empty, I see a glass full of ether Collecting his bread and mash like he a Catholic preacher Just to count a nigga cash, you might need a calculus teacher Eureka, Einstein on the brink of the theory of relativity Really no MC equal, feel me coping be lethal Crip like an old MTV show uh, On God, the best rapper alive, headshot Now go and ask the best rappers that died They tell you he never lied, nigga Yeah, talk Welcome back. That was a Caesar song of the week. It was Johnny P by Benny the Butcher and J. Cole. J. Cole definitely brought some fuego to this one. Yeah, he, he, was fantastic. he goes in on that verse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Benny the Butcher, obviously Griselda, mm-hmm. whatever they do, gets attention. And there's some, you know, <laughs> there's some dr- drama surrounding this because, mm-hmm. you know, J. Cole did so well. And people try and make, you know, something out of everything these days. Definitely. But. They both brought it, definitely Cole Moore, and it just, uh, I just listened to them probably like two weeks straight now. <laughs> yeah. I had to go back, you know, listen to the verse, like, am I missing something here? Mm-hmm. No, it's just people being petty. Yeah, exactly. You know, and even Benny talked about it where it was like, he's like, you didn't really write your verse or anything? He's like, no, nah, he brought it, I brought it, like, why am I going to do something like that? It's like, not, mm. that wasn't directed towards me, you yeah. know, so. Keep it. We should all be on that energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep it 100. Don't keep, be soft. Keep it moving. If it's not, you know, if it's not about you, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know how the internet cares about everything else, but real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world. I think. <laughs> Go look at this conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're here. You know, you guys mentioned you wanted to talk about trauma and uh, uh, going to trying to start some class to help people through this. Um. Like, how do you guys feel, 
you know, it's Black History Month. Do you think people like we have, like people realize the trauma you have just by being a person of color no, in this country? No. <laughs> I think that it's passed down through generations of the abuse that we have encountered from the man not feeling like a man anymore and taking that abusive anger out on the woman because he don't he doesn't know how to express himself in society. So either he's hitting on the woman, leaving the family and destroying it and it just get passed on through generation through generation. And then when we do speak about it, it's always, oh, you playing the race card or Get over it. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Slavery's over. Uh, everybody's <laughs> equal. All lives matter. But you don't know that all life It does matter. I, 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 okay, but you don't know what we It don't matter the with. same. No, it doesn't. Because your, your color don't make it harder. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's where I'm at. You can't feel still. being angry, being a person of color, but yet they are fighting for white people to. So we can't talk about slavery if it makes white people feel uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, about what their yeah. ancestors did to our ancestors. No. It's kind of crazy. I mean, then, just, it's yeah. just this yeah. shit. So it's so fucking yeah. wild. And now in Florida, they, they just it yeah. just shows you their mindset. With right. this, like, they want us to suffer in silence. Yeah. And now in Florida, they, they deal with like the uh, pain, with gay people. They can't talk about LGBTQ stuff. Plus. In Florida anymore at schools. Yeah, I heard that. They but I'm going to talk about whatever Senate I want to talk about. So Ridiculous. A couple of weeks ago, they passed where you can't talk about anything slavery LGBT. or anything like that. Mm. Because if someone feels uncomfortable, they shouldn't be talking about it at school, right? And then, uh, what was it, last week, now they passed something on like gay rights, LGBTQ+. They can't talk about that at schools either. So, uh, so when these pronouns <laughs> come up in class and I'm like... Are you just not supposed to talk? Yeah, yeah, but I'm like this. You know who I am, and I'm uh, and I go back to being I am what it says in the Bible. I am what I am when you see me. I am whatever I need to be. Why? And these pronouns gonna take you away from who you are, and then just slowly they they game wording you where you gotta uh, submit to the way they want you to talk and address things. I'm a man. I was in a group with ladies. I said, "How you ladies doing?" I'm not gonna be upset at you, but we're them and they. I'm like, damn, okay. So I got to tippy toe around what I say. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, it's it's just another act of keeping you distracted from the biggest picture. Yeah, I mean, they try to prevent you from talking about it. anything that makes you uncomfortable. Like, well, everything. She, like, yeah, like that's <laughs> like, anything can anything, make you feel yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> I get uncomfortable talking about how the Niners lost the NFC Championship game <laughs> in 1989. So, just never going to talk about that again. Like it didn't happen. <laughs> Like, come on. Of course slavery makes you feel uncomfortable. Your ancestors used to own mine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you benefit from it, too. Like, yeah. uncomfortable, this shit is fucked up to me. Yeah. You know, that like, it's very day. Like, yeah. how crazy is this? Like, it's like, you know what? We we're, we did some shitty things in the past, but we don't want to talk about it because it makes us feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're still doing yeah. it because, I mean, I'm obviously biracial. I'm black and white. My dad's black. My mom's white. My white side of the family had nothing to do with that. Nothing. Like, other than my grandfather and my step-grandmother. So it's like we're kind of just thrown in there and we're told to get over this and basically pick a side. Like, like why like, do I have to pick a side? Like, like, if I'm going to pick a side, I'm going to pick a side. Like why, why is there sides in the first place? Well, I mean, I'll like, pick the side that chose me. The yeah, black side chose me yeah. because that's who raised me. That's mm-hmm. who loved me. That's who grew me. That's who nourished me. That's Accepted who you as a human being on exactly. this planet. Yeah. Exactly. 
Exactly. The fact that you have to go, that's the whole point. Yeah. Like, some of us have to fight for just to be seen that way yes. and accepted that way. Like a basic. Where everyone else, you just exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can't even wear an afro. I'm surprised they let you still wear your hair like that. I <laughs> wish someone would say something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to be uncomfortable. Not Sean. <laughs> I'm going to be comfortable as fuck. Yeah, you got to be. But, you know, but, that's, but that's the thing. Like, yeah. you ha- like, I wasn't, you know, I'm grown now and. Mm-hmm. I know who I am and like, I know my, I understand society. I understand my place in it. But like 20 years ago when I was, mm. you know, mm. 20 years old, would I have been able to stand up for myself? Like, Cause we're not taught to stand up for mm-hmm. ourselves that way. We're not mm-hmm. taught to challenge these racist, you know, I- laws, rules, so, everything in society. Game. Yeah. And so like you have to be, you have to break free from that mindset. First of all, like I was telling you at this school right. with some of these conversations, I'm like, this is good that you guys are doing this, but everything you were talking about is framed in the way that they speak about you. Mm. How do you feel about yourself? Like right. as a black student here at this school, how do you see yourself? What is your experience? Like we don't, we're not, we don't need to be framing this from their perspective to make them feel mm-hmm. comfortable. This is about you and you being who you are, and that's something that, I mean, everyone I, in this room had to go through I, I, at some point. I like how you said that. This uh, speak about making them feel comfortable. I don't think they're speaking to make them feel comfortable. I think they're speaking because that's how they feel. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Growing up, you know more about a white lady than you know about the women that's surrounding you from what you're watching on TV. Mm-hmm. You don't see any positive black family. Ain't nobody scared of Cliff Huxtable name. But let it be Leroy. I mean, that's somebody powerful. That's somebody like a... You, you understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, they taking the whole image away from you. And then, excuse me, but they defeminizing us so bad where they want to see you in a dress. They Emasculating. See you. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. There is no positive black role models right now. You got the basketball players with a dress on. Whatever you want to do behind closed doors, that's your, that's your business. But don't push it on the kids. You, that's, they look- that's where I get offended, you know what I mean, trying to. Aim at the kids with a fertile mind, you know what I mean, with the with the biasness and the, yeah. Well, that's why they try to cancel Dave Chappelle, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, they're, they're very sensitive, you know, but they're not sensitive to other people. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be talked about your sexuality, but you over here calling us niggas. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, don't talk about it, but we can talk about it. No, that's not how it works. We should all, if we have the freedom of speech, which we know that's, that's America's great lie, because if, <laughs> if we had freedom of speech, we wouldn't go to jail for saying, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have that freedom of speech. We can't say what other races can say. And I just heard something really disturbing the other day that, the government pulls Hispanic. They took away their stripping their identity like they did us. So you guys are not Hispanic. That's an ethnicity. That's not a race. You guys are, we're pulling you in with white people. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Oh, we had, that was the conversation we had at the school. I was like, the whole concept of race is based on oppression. They need yeah, to get right, rid of that yeah, completely. Right, like, right. That, like, cause I was like, you need to be talking about your ethnicities. Cause that's the, cause I was like, that's how they get you. Cause there is no white ethnicity. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. They got they you no wrapped culture. up thinking, that you know, white is your culture and ethnicity, and that's not it. Like, go talk. I, I'm like, all of you are immigrants. Go talk to your grandparents. I guarantee you, they came from somewhere, or their parents came from somewhere, and that is your culture. That is your ethnicity. That's who you are. But they got you wrapped up in this whole white identity, which is based on oppression and supremacy mm. and dominance. 
and they the, the rest of us and entitlements. Mm-hmm. Yes, the rest of us actually have to know who we are. Mm-hmm. But again, you got to fight to even find that, and you got to yeah. fight to be because they're tr- they're stopping us from teaching it. Like you know, they're trying to steal. Yeah. I mean, they're not stopping us here, but <laughs> yeah. they're you know they're trying to stop us from teaching that. And they're, mm-hmm. the history of this, the the way. You can't change the things the way things are if you don't even acknowledge how they got there, yeah, or like right. that there's a problem or anything. Trying to white on nature, like yeah. whitewash history, just like everything else. Yeah. That, that's why we're trying to build the biggest all black author library in Nevada. So that's when we start taking those donations because if you think your history started as a slave, hmm. you really that's where you at. Mm-hmm. You are where you at. You, you are. You but that's know. what that's all that's been taught for exactly years and years and years is that that that's the the place of black people is like we were slaves. Yes, boss. And then and then <laughs> and then we got and then Abraham Lincoln freed us, and then Martin Luther King Jr. ended ended racism. <laughs> And then, like everything is is fine. So, it's all like, peachy now. Yeah, everything's yeah. cool. If you tell a lie long enough, it become the truth. Yeah, and that's it's, that's this lie has always been told. Has never, and then now that people are actually, you see all these people standing up trying to address it. You see these people mm-hmm. writing these books explaining the, how this system has, like you know, I read uh, "Stamp from the Beginning" by uh, Abraham Kendi, and like mm-hmm. it it explains, you know, it goes back to when we were taken from Africa and how the Europeans viewed us then, and it explains how it changed and how all of this stuff is based and supported on the concept of race, just to be, you know, oppression, just Mm -hmm. all of it has changed just to justify doing terrible things to other people Mm -hmm. in the name of like personal gain. It's all to justify greed and rape and Mm -hmm. genocide. And, you know, and, they want to take that away. Like reading this book, I'm like, oh my, like he he breaks it down. Like he's going step by step how they fucking did this. But just think What's about the name how of that book? People... Stamp from the beginning. Stated from the beginning. Stamp from the beginning. Stamp from the beginning. Yeah, and this guy, like he, you know, he's he's a black PhD like, scholar historian, and he goes through and he he shows the laws they made. Mm. You know, when they you know in like 1600 when they first start people when poor white people and black people started getting together they're like whoa 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 we can't have this so they gave them jobs so they can start looking at the black man and say okay i'm a little bit above exactly you know, I mean? you know that it breaks it breaks down step by step how these laws have been reinforced and how they've been challenged and it's just so predictable you know every time we push for something we're told another it's the same lie it's just rewrapped, repackaged, and it's mm. evolved over time. And it's been going on for hundreds of years. And like you see it with these laws they're making today. And the whole scary thing about critical race theory <laughs> is the same bullshit that they've been saying for 400 years. It's just been repackaged. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're, now they're going to prevent you from even learning about it. Now that we finally got the knowledge and we're starting to free ourselves. And they're teaching this in schools. And they're telling white people about this. Now it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. We gave them gave them too much freedom. Now got to change this. They got they're freeing their minds finally. Cat is out the bag. <laughs> but I mean, we're separating Black history from American history when it's all American history. Exactly. And I remember yeah. the activist Tamika Mallory said, "You know, you guys talk about what we're doing in Black neighborhoods and in Hispanic neighborhoods, but we learned it from you." All this mm. stuff that we're doing, we learned from you. We, You guys were our teachers. You came and stole our identity. So everything that we're doing, we mm. learned from you. The Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. So we learned from y'all. Y'all came and y'all took us and y'all taught us violence because we were a peaceful people. Mm. 
even yeah. while I they mean, were beating us and the raping sequ- us. That's the thing. Like everything's working the way it's supposed to. It's just no one wants to accept that. Mm-hmm. Like everything, like this is the system. You know, the system's fine. Like this, is, this is the way it's supposed to work. They built it this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they made it this way. Yeah. And now that we finally are looking back and trying to figure out how it got built and how we can change it and tear it down. They're freaking out because it's like, oh, like they might have to take some responsibility in the way things are. That's why they say the pen is mightier than the sword. They can write you out of history at the same time, create laws that you have to abide by. Yeah. But we got to get these parents involved now and these kids off the streets because it's like we're at at the losing end of this game and we're not even trying to come together collectively to even try to change it. So it got to be more than just Black History Month. We got to really put a structure of classes where we we teaching people. It, before we got to teach them about history, we got to teach them that you are, I am. Get your get your humanness, get your, your spirituality up of who you are, and then we can point you in the right direction of what you're dreaming about. Do you, I used to tell my students all the time at Trainer, I was like, 100 years ago, we were all fighting to be educated because we knew the importance of it. Mm-hmm. We knew and not being educated what they were doing to us. I was like, now they don't even got to stop us. Yeah. Like I was like, no one values the educate. None, none of they've messed it up so much that now no one even values it. And I'm like, none of you even care about it. You're sitting here. All these teachers are in here trying to reach you, help you better yourself. And you don't even like, they, they've done the job for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm like, you think all those people killed, died so that you could sit here and not give a fuck. Like that's like, those people died for nothing that like they should have they should have just avoided all those ass whoopings if you're not even gonna sit here and learn about it i'm laughing but it ain't funny but it's the truth yeah. though you know put a hundred dollars in a book it'll be there forever because you don't want you don't want the knowledge but you want the money and that's how i trick the kids like hey in them books is a hundred dollars <laughs> but you can't open it up until you get home um, they taking yeah. it so you want the money but the knowledge is, is in the book that's where the money's at you read enough books you're gonna be a professional at it after a certain amount of time. They, they, they tricked everyone into thinking that nothing matters. All that matters is how you feel and what you think, regardless of how true it is, if it's right or wrong. That, that Emotional is. balance, and that changes periodically. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's and, why we got these laws about making people feel uncomfortable. Like, who gives a fuck? I don't give a fuck how you feel. Yeah. Like, what's the truth? Yeah. The women <laughs> should teach those classes. I, I believe women deal with emotion better than anybody. Well, that's because we're taught, like we were talking earlier, to ignore our emotion. Like, men, like, aren't allowed. You're you're not supposed to. Women women go through this cycle once a month, and they know why they body going through these emotions, and they know why it's going on. So let them teach those emotions and put it on to the men that's so blocked up and uh, trying not to feel emotions. We can't do, we can't, that's the thing. You got to understand, we as women, and even just being, you know, I know that I'm black and white, but me as a black woman, if I go out there and I react how some of these white women react and I show my emotions, I'm not going to be looked at the same. They're not going to no, look no, at me and be no, like, oh, just, hey, are you okay? That's the stereotype. That's the stereotype. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the Yeah. You're just another angry black person. Like, we can't why are you be so emotional. angry all the time? Hmm. You know, and they wonder, oh, well, the black woman just so strong. Well, we've been forced to be strong. We can't be emotional. We can't tell you how we feel and you guys feel bad. Because you for might it. feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You might be yeah. uncomfortable with what I say. I might. I mean, we all know that. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that's why at Black Wall Street, we implement in these workshops, the community engagement to develop that 
because the fan, the black family, the black community has has been broken down in so many fragments. So that's what we starting at Black Wall Street to host as many workshops dealing with as many problems that we we all can address. You know, it takes a village. Well, we appreciate you guys coming on and mm-hmm. sharing your story. Uh, I know you got to go soon, so mm-hmm. we'll take a little break here. I'm gonna play my song. Shout out to Ian because uh, he put me onto this. It's called Black Superhero by Robert Glasper, featuring Killer Mike, Big Crit, and BJ the Chicago Kid. So uh, listen and enjoy. Yeah. 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 Sound like some superhero shit. Some black superhero shit. Every block, every hood, every city, every ghetto. Need a black superhero. Every block, every hood, every city, every ghetto. Need a black superhero. Nigga wrote like me Military mind state in and I keep a gun in a degree You can label me a Huey P Made a martyr out of Martin, out of Malcolm, out of Mega I refuse to let these dirty devils make Michael a beggar Fuck a hero, CEO, I will go make Edo for my people Give me liberty or death, that is my credo, not my ego Dressed in a tuxedo, into party, alter ego Killed your leader in gazebo, did it for the people Love what motivated, I did not do it for hatred But I truly hate the devil, I cannot debate or fake it I was asked a question and the asker thought it hard If I was facing death and I could ask one thing of God I would ask for every nigga to be free here and abroad And to be rightfully celebrated as a child of God And to be rightfully celebrated as a child of God Took nip from us, money still reading God we trust. Truthfully, we envy, so why we so envious? And why our own kind envy us? Pac said it's hard, but we gotta keep our head up. Going even though we know we fed up. Huh. It's hell attention, cause we ain't careful where we all pay attention. I need all my real soldiers on the front line. Fighting for the right shit just one time. So unstoppable together at the same time. With the same mind. Wanna be high and always above what's beneath us. So uh, every block, every hood, every city, every ghetto. Need a black superhero. Every block, every hood, every city, every ghetto. Need a black superhero. I'm talking bulletproof. Reflect the struggle that they put us through With the strength to fight the power like Chuck D a dude With the insight to be equal Note the sky needed a voice that finds reason to multiply People in the streets for the cause Marching on Washington miners will be walking through walls Type of superhero show up when ain't no one to call Better shield you from them shields that been killing us all High beams for eyes to peek the villains in the dark Power of resolution for a war would even start The knowledge to build and grow where they live And take care of the kids and the older folk The clean 
because they need it most. Politic with the kings about economic growth. QPTSD, cause mental health ain't a joke. Feed the hungry and dope. Everyone would know everywhere we go. Every block, every hood, every city, every ghetto. idea of how black men in this culture and society get framed and how everything possible is actually designed to actually diminish what your true power is right and so when you speak about the superhero-ness of our communities every ghetto every block every street corner really all of those men are god they're just living in a reality that tears them down and makes them feel as though they're not what they actually are because they know it when they look in the mirror take on it you know it's it's on some levels a little more heartbreaking right because it's like we've created this reality that walks away from us being clear about the fact that the black woman is actually the goddess on this planet the mitochondrial information that's requisite to create every type of man that exists on this planet is derivative of hers absolutely right so if we actually have to sit there figuring out which being on this planet actually constitutes god in that term, if we're framing it in that way, the actual living God on this planet, the only direction you can point in is the direction of the black woman. Black woman black firstly, black woman, black woman, like black woman, black woman. us as an extension of her, but firstly her, right? Because none of it exists without her. Without her. All right, guys, welcome back. That was Sean's Song of the Week. It was Black Superhero by Robert Glasper featuring Killer Mike, Big Creed. In Chicago, a BJ is Chicago kid. Yeah, again, shout out to Ian for uh, putting me on to that. You know, Robert Glasper, mm-hmm. such a talented musician. So he works good. with so many different people. And, you know, you know, Killer Mike and Big Crit are going to be dropping some knowledge on yes. whatever track, whatever track they're on. And then BJ Chicago kid with the fantastic, uh, you know, vocals. Get that little arm, R&B feel. You know, got to drop some, you know, drop some knowledge, be entertained, and, uh, you know, keep keep that third eye open. Yes. <laughs> But up next, we got, uh, you know, meandering questions. Yeah. We, these are questions we ask everyone. They're, they're you know, kind of random. Some not. Some just specific to what you got. But just, you know, give us your honest answers. Mm-hmm. So uh, last week was was Dilla Day, mm-hmm. Jay Dilla. Do you guys have a favorite song, song or album, album or a story about, uh, you know, his his music or anything? No, but I, I respect his body of work, though. You know, he put in a lot of work, and and, mm-hmm. and he's highly respected. Yeah. He's gone too soon. Yeah, yeah. Again, going back to our conversation, like we don't take care like, the health. The healthcare system is not designed to to uh, 
work for everyone equally and uh yeah there's no reason that he should he should be dead like there's yeah no i think the biggest the music in the black community is is really Mm -hmm. our therapy you know what i mean because we have no therapist to speak to about our problems so a lot of the music that we make in the inner city is is venting from the heart yeah hip-hop is born of Mm-hmm. oppression and, and and people's desire to speak on you know what's happening to them mm-hmm. speaking of that next question self-care routine what do you guys do for you know your mental you know stability i'm gonna pass this to the queen <laughs> um self-care 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 uh i think that a lot of us don't even really know what self-care is uh including myself i'm learning um i think that especially when you go through things in life, you kind of tend to put self-care off because you're trying to deal with everything that's thrown at you and make sure that you're being responsible Mm -hmm. um, by society standards. Um, Mm. With self-care for me, I get up, I read my word every morning, um, work out, eat whenever I have time, if I'm not like trying to run out of the door and get my kids to school, but just staying in touch with myself. You know, knowing what I'm feeling, being aware of what's what's going on around me, the energy around me, that to me is what I'm learning is self-care, to remove myself and to keep my peace no matter what it costs. Now, I joke, like, self-care is a new thing. I'm like, people over 40 don't, don't never got that before. Like, you got you to gotta teach them what that is. Like, <laughs> You got to keep a balance, you know. You got to have a balance throughout your daily routine. Yeah, do you got anything you do? Like, what, what, how do how do you keep? On I start my morning off, you know, with some little meditation, burn my little sage or whatnot, and uh, just that five ten minutes of quiet time with yourself. You know, hit the ground running, make it happen, follow your heart. <laughs> Don, do you have anything you do? Uh, same thing. I do the meditation. I'm up at like four thirty in the morning, <clears throat> getting ready to go to the gym. That's my little quiet time. That's where I can be myself. I don't talk to anybody. I'm zoned out. I'm in my cage and go run around the lake a few times. And that's why how I get away. When I feel the pressure getting, then I go back to point A of how I started. What got me here? What's irritating me? Why I need to break away from everybody? Because I can, I can feel it coming on and I can shell up. And then I'm like, okay, I need to break from everybody till I figure out what I need. But I mean, how? I mean, it took you a long time to learn that. Like, oh, that's yeah. what we all need to do: is recognize when those things are are going on inside of us, and figure out how to deal with them. Because I, I know my trigger points. I I know. I study me. I know because I, if not, not be up under a bridge with a needle on my arm again. You know what I mean? So I know if I see a young lady I used to party with, like up. Oh, now, do I want to invite the devil in and pay for it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, I know my temptations. I yeah. know. So when I start my mental relapse and I'm, I got to play that, all right, you look, you've been in jail, you've been in prison, you say goodbye to your, uh, your kids, mm-hmm. put the car keys back up. This You got to turn all this in because you know what's going to happen. So I know my triggers and I make sure, okay, what's triggering me? Why am I thinking like this? Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. about, it's about knowing yourself and processing those feelings, not just like, Oh, I'm mad. I'm uh, sad, but why? Yeah. Right. Right. How do you deal with this? And a lot of people don't. They're just mad, don't know what to do. You know, they go to drugs, Mm -hmm. alcohol, just to kind of like numb it or get away from it. And it's just, especially when you're young. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. just so easy to get caught up in that numbing. Like, yeah. Like, all right. Like, you know, I look back when, you know, in 
everyone all all my friends and everyone in our 20s like why were we so wild like what <laughs> what you know what were we celebrating yeah. and we weren't celebrating Life. anything you were just <laughs> we were all just trying to escape and Avoid. ignore the problems mm-hmm. and, and the traumas and everything we were processing and dealing yeah. and going through and mm-hmm. it's easy mm-hmm. to just get caught in that cycle and just stay in it for ever you know ever <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah being aware though mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I, yeah. I'll be 42 this year and I'm still I got sober at 37 yeah. so that's over like 23 24 years of drinking and drugging you know like I'm kind of messed up up there you mm-hmm. know what I mean so I gotta I gotta pay attention you know I gotta make sure that my mm-hmm. emotions don't interfere with my thought process mm-hmm. or if so they are talking. you know what's happening yeah. and then you could you know you know divert the little river to mm-hmm. where it needs to yeah, go I, you know get like yeah, I recognize, you know, while I'm teaching and like, you know, a kid will be pushing my button, you know, and I'll, re- I'll be like, all right, you know, all right, I'm going to take a deep breath. <laughs> like, I'm going to let this wave of anger, you know, wash over me. Like, yeah. yes, I'm angry, but like the, his anger, his what he's doing to me has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not going to let what he's doing affect, him, yeah. affect me and then get me off my game and fuck up what I'm trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Because then, then I'm just I'm keeping the cycle going. Like I got to be this one to break this, or else, you know, all the stuff he's taking out on me, then I'm gonna take out on him, or I'm gonna take it out on someone else in this class, yeah, and then cool. they're gonna take that, and they're gonna keep it spread. Instead, I'm I'm gonna stop it here. Like mm-hmm. it's hard though. Like no, it is. It's hard, you know. Know thyself. You know, it's easy mm-hmm. to be selfish and just lash out, you know, with mm-hmm. your emotions and be angry or be unreasonable. Like as a teacher, you know, that's just irresponsible. Like you can't you that's the whole reason you're there like they're not adults mm. they're not your equal they're not your peer and you can't expect them to treat you like that you know you gotta mm-hmm. sometimes you gotta accept some things and Empathy, swallow patience, your pride yeah. yeah and and just i gotta intern i gotta tell them all the shit <laughs> but you're a teacher like i think that you teachers most teachers i will say at least me growing up i had older teachers like you guys have to be aware you guys are kind of like a counselor. You guys are father figures to some kids because some kids, that is where they're, they get away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's their getaway. That's their escape because some of them are being molested. Some of them mm-hmm. are being abused. Some of them are being neglected, you know, and I think that you guys have to be more aware of self as a teacher. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say I don't. I mean, I work with teachers that are not <laughs> like that. And that's, you know, I was just thinking, like, I got to. I got to ex- get this kid. I got to, to see that. Like he, he if you're going to be a good teacher, you got to be, mm-hmm. you got to be like, let's get back to these questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's why they're called Mirandering. You know, we start mm-hmm. talking about some get off topic. It's so casual pace sometimes. <laughs> I, I know you guys are all about educating others, educating yourselves. What do you think is the biggest, biggest misconception about black history? And Black History Month and how it's presented to us. The whole concept of Black History Month is you should slap in the face. Yeah, like this is all we get, and it's the shortest month of the of the year. You know, this is something that. <laughs> but I think that the Black History has to start within the figures of whoever the child sees. You know what I mean? It has to start there because it's hard to imitate something that you don't see. Yeah, I've always struggled with it, like. Okay, you know they're celebrating all this stuff, but at the same time, to me, it's like, oh, Black History is every every day, exactly. right? You know, like right. that's that's just so. Yeah, I feel like 
bad because you know the teachers His are doing story it's it's limited so you can't put us in in that box yeah you know? yeah they I, my teacher you know my you know i'll see co-workers and stuff doing stuff and i'm like i incorporate this into everything mm-hmm. i do i don't need to do anything special about it just because it's february i'm taking that perspective in every single lesson i'm teaching so i don't need to do anything special because it's already presented mm-hmm. like it's not separate like you guys said it's part of the history of this country like it's not separate it is the history of this country so i don't need you know when i'm teaching i don't need to if i'm teaching it right like there's no need for black history month because they already they get get some every time Mm -hmm. it's already interwoven Mm -hmm. uh so next question what would uh need to change about the way trauma is dealt with and discussed Uh, the way that it's dealt with, I think that, again, I'm going to go back to the humanity aspect. I think that people need to remember that that may very well be you one day. That may very well be somebody that you love one day. It, it, everything is not black and white, you know, so I think that people need to step back into humanity, um, have more empathy, have more sympathy if you don't empathize because, you know, you haven't been through the same things, um, Talk about mental illness, illness, talk about mental wellness, talk about emotional wellness and know that it's okay to have moments. I have moments where I'll just scream. You know, I think that people need to know as victims of trauma and as families of victims of trauma that it's okay to feel everything that comes with that traumatic experience. It is okay to feel it's how you process and deal with that afterwards. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And I think just starting there with so many people like... We personally, you know, have experienced this week, like, it's just these people have got to know that, like, they got to know it's okay to admit, you know, something's wrong and you need help and there's no shame in that. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that because, I mean, it should be normal. Like, that. look around you and look at the conditions you're living in. Like, you, nothing is wrong with you. It's the, it's the conditions you're living in that mm-hmm. are wrong. You, your response is completely normal to what you have experienced and gone through. And I think that's the first thing people got to realize that like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like you're working your body and you're reacting to these things the way you should. Cause this shit's fucked up. Like, right. Need more black therapists, black doctors on the front line speaking out. Like you say, a lot of doctors have to operate in that small framework of how they think or how they supposed to be presented but yeah nutrition all that helps with the with dealing with the therapy and um yeah we got to get back right it, it takes a collective of us you well you know? guys you know you're doing your part like the fact that we can have this i mean 20 years ago no one was telling <laughs> yes. me this stuff you know what i mean like when i was uh, when i was a young kid in college no one was telling me this stuff like no one was having these conversations i there i didn't hear this anywhere you know and now you're, you're starting, it's, you know, it's got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right, let's 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 change up and talk about something less serious. Yes. <laughs> what is one restaurant, uh, your favorite restaurant, and what's a restaurant or place you'll never go to again here in town? All of them. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I like the barbecue place, BJ's. They have this vegetarian burger, and you can taste the freshness. They make it right there, BJ's, right off of Victorian Avenue. Oh, okay, and Sparks? Oh, yeah. And Sparks, and that one, like, any other place I go and get a veggie 
they always they give me the same veggie patty I get at the little grocery store at Costco. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I'm, I'm always feel so defeated. Like, take it back. I don't even want to. I might as well eat the meat, you know. Yeah. But that one, they got the fresh patties, and it's good. I like that one. Um, I don't do fast food like McDonald's or anything mm. like that. Ruins my body. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that should make you feel bad after you eat it. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah you feel yeah. good and you eat it. And then, like, right. afterwards, it's like the body's like shut down mode. Right. Oh. You ain't thinking right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you, well, yeah, you go long enough without it. And it's like, mm. yeah. And then your stomach, your body lets you know what yeah. you shouldn't put in it. Yeah. So, like, as soon as I put some cooked food in it, like, ah, oh, it starts, it yeah. lets me know. It comes back. It's it like, comes oh. out. It don't come back. It come out. Yeah, due to Donald, you know, with his. Vegan approach, you know, <laughs> I mean, and smoothies every day. I've been, uh, I've been trying to eat more salads, just drink more water, just you know, being aware of what you're putting into your body. Do you have, you you don't have a favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurants? I can't say no. Wild River <laughs> Grill is kind of good. Right oh, we there. was there. We went there a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, you'd have been there, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty cool spot. But other than that. All right. Caesar, what's the next question? Is it the last one? There's only one more? One more. Uh, beauty uh, grooming uh, routines, you guys. Or tips. Or tips, yeah. For the, for the people out there who aren't up on this game yet. Because you need to look a little bit, you know. <laughs> it helps out with the emotional stuff. I find that every time I find a product that works because they're so limited for, you know, black hair and I have my kids have thicker hair than me. It always ends up getting sold out. Like I discover it, and then everybody <laughs> discovers it. <laughs> uh, but I've I've been using um, Pantene Gold Collection on my kids' hair, and they have four C hair, and it it's phenomenal. Okay. You can leave it on for five minutes, and their hair is like a baby's bottom. Versus mm. other stuff, I've left. I've spent like thirty dollars on a bottle of conditioner and left it on their hair overnight, and their their hair is still like brittle and dry. It's like uh, so. I believe it has to start in what you believe inside first before you can do any outer work. So if you just put no makeup, that's what you're doing. You put no makeup. <clears throat> a lot of people can go without that, and you can tell, and they spring or they walk how they are. And I feel mm-hmm. like it has to be within you first. Some people dress up because they don't feel good inside. Mm-hmm. I know that when you see me extra dressed up, it's because I'm having a crappy right? day, and mm-hmm. I'm going to fake it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. You're gonna think that I'm on top of the world because I'm feeling like crap. So mm. I'm gonna be the flyest person everywhere mm. I go. <laughs> Helps a little mental. I've, yeah. I've, I've become to be the opposite of like, you know, when you see me out there, like I got the fresh kicks on, the fresh fit. It's like because I'm feeling that, you know. Like sometimes uh, you don't feel like you don't feel like dressing like that, and I think, uh, yeah, it's just a, like again a personal thing on on how you're you you process that. You got any? You got any tips or, or knowledge to drop on this? No, just uh, <laughs> you know. Sometimes I, I like the rough look, you know. So don't nobody approach me type thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, just drink water and use lotion. <laughs> I mean, that's basic. Yeah, that, that's that's the foundation. Yeah, <laughs> some people don't use lotion. We see it every day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I would say, like, I, I would joke around. I was like, guys, how many of you don't use lotion every day? And, like, half of them would be raised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, bro. Yeah, no. Come on, bro. I, I We're in a dry climate. I, 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 I went a time when I said no lotion, no nothing, let my body detox. 
and it feels different. Like I was, ooh, my lips, because I was like, dang, <laughs> ain't nothing. But yeah, not enough water too. You know, water helps a lot inside mm-hmm. out and lotion. But yeah. we just it just we so joke dry. all the time, yeah. Like, yeah, about water yeah. and lotion, like. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta look good in your old age. The sun gets you if you don't. It gets you the dry weather out here, you know. But plenty of water, you know. That's it. That's the question. Thank you guys. It. Thank you for having us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know you got you got a dip, Romar. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, just before you go, make sure you tune in every week to uh, Caesar and I on ninety-seven-seven K Wink, where every Friday from nine to eleven we play nothing but the best in all things hip hop. Yeah, and then uh, don't forget, if uh, you guys want like a shout-out or a call-out, we have a phone number, 775-800-9153. Leave us a message. Uh, you can request a song. You can you know talk shit if you want. Yeah. yeah. Give us a question, mm-hmm. tips, share your hate. Yes. We want all the smoke, whatever yeah, you Yeah, maybe your beauty tips that we're missing out on, you know? <laughs> Proper lotions and whatnot. Before we go, though, tell the people how can they find you guys, Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. location, Social media, all that good stuff. Black Wall Street, Reno. We located in 1301 Cordon Avenue, the Rise Academy building. Stop by, check us out, support the movement. Log on to blackwallstreetreno.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Black Wall Street, Reno. Support the movement. Mm Mm-hmm. Appreciate up in the mix for having us. Thank of course, you, thank yeah. You. Dope platform. Much success to y'all. Keep you going. Thanks. Well, until next time, this is Sean saying stay hydrated, <laughs> stay properly <laughs> lotioned, and lubricated. This is uh, Della Photo. I uh, respect each other, you guys. That's it. One love. Salud. Peace.